High Expectations! Today we're here to talk about Jaslyn's obsession. What's your obsession, Jaslyn? What's funny about that? Do I sound monotonous? No. Do you want me to sound more upbeat? Today we're talking about Jaslyn's obsession. Jaslyn, what's your obsession? What are you obsessed with at the moment? My obsession is... It's a little bit specific, but it's also very broad. Mm. I really love cover songs. Mm-hmm. But I particularly like cover songs that people do in their bedrooms, especially if they're like teenagers or early 20s, particularly if they're British. <laughs> and so sometimes I will spend hours trawling around YouTube watching people do covers of songs. Sometimes the same song by different people and I kind of compare them all. Sometimes I just want to hear how people sing a particular line. Mm-hmm. It gets that specific. Mm-hmm. But mostly I just like hearing, particularly like females singing songs that are done by male artists and hear like the contrast. But also I like hearing lo-fi versions of songs, like real stripped back, just me and my little emo voice with the guitar in the bedroom. Right. And you have a wealth of um, clips out there that you can refer to as well. A lot of people do the cover thing. I do. Yeah. So many. And it can be really hilarious, especially for like the British. And they always like start their videos with a little intro or like an apology for how shit they're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great in a British accent. And like random stuff happens in the video sometimes. I saw a couple of my research this morning. Where someone's little sisters like keeps peeking around a wall watching them, or a That's cat cute. will like walk by and like do something strange, or like what's quite common is they'll be doing a song and then a family member comes into the room and they immediately stop doing the song. Oh yeah. Or they kind of stop and laugh about something and make huge mistakes. But what interests me is that they never redo it. And also, why don't they edit those bits out? Like, edit the bit out where, yeah. and then just stick them both together again. Do they, maybe they don't have the ability to edit. Some people some people do do it, do it, but I think it works better when it's just one take. Yeah. But if you screwed up your take so badly, why not redo it? <laughs> My feeling is by the time they got to that last screwed up take, they'd already done like 20 takes, and they're just like over it by then. Yes. So they're just like, screw it, this is going up there. <laughs> That reminds me of when I was um, applying for my job and we had to record a, a voice message. And that was, it was in that exact situation. Like, I wanted to make a good impression because it was for a job, but I'd recorded it three times already. I know that's not that many times, but every time I did it, I got so anxious that I just thought, oh, no, I'll just upload this one. So I can understand that. And I don't even think I'd ever have the courage to upload my own covers on YouTube. Have you ever thought about doing it yourself? I've thought about it. I mean, I've done it audio-wise. Mm-hmm. Like on SoundCloud and things. Jaslyn has a SoundCloud. What's your SoundCloud called, Jaslyn? Shy Mountains. <laughs> I don't normally do cover songs, though. So I have two covers. For research purposes, I think everyone should look up your music and listen to it so they can get a general idea of what yeah. you're talking about. Awesome podcast. Go listen to it. And we're back. <laughs> so you would have heard a cover I did of a song called As It Gets by the Paper Jets and a male singer called Brian and that's like a I guess a real meta example of my obsession mm-hmm. is that I want to hear that song and I more strip back sort of female tone and I thought it worked really well 
I also do a cover of a song by Dainty Dandy called Unsympathetic Characters. She's got a really good voice. Sounds really familiar to me. Like, I want to be her best friend. She sounds like a dick. She's a huge dick. <laughs> I want to talk to you about the history of cover songs in my life that have really like struck with me lately and maybe the genesis of my obsession okay if that's cool yeah that's fine that sounds good when i was like teenager and like real into the bands that kind of stick with you a lot of your life i was mm-hmm. really big into radiohead yep and really really crazy i heard two covers one was by alanis morissette doing fake tastic trees from when Radiohead used to tour with her, mm-hmm. and they were, op- they were open for Alanis. Mm-hmm. This is so nineties. Sounds bizarre in hindsight, but they were recording. Alanis was the time. huge, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they were sense. they were touring to record an album, and so she made friends with them, and so she did a cover of Fake Plastic Trees live. It's not a very good recording, like sound wise, but the performance was great, and the drummer on it is Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Because he used to be her drummer. Yeah. So it's got a bit more kind of oomph to it. And I really like this sound that she was making. And I was like, ah, a woman sing the song. That's that's nice. And then Tori Amos came out with a live cover of Karma Police. Crazy. And she kind of made it her own kind of sound. And I really love that as well. Which made me want to look up other people covering songs. Okay. Like the, the female aspect. So I'll point out a few ones that are really, like, from established artists that I really like. Leona Lewis does a Snow Patrol cover of the song Run. Mm-hmm. And it's really great because she's got this big voice. Yeah. And they teamed up with this big kind of crescendoing orchestra and it just really works really well. So it's like a more it's an orchestral version of the Snow Patrol song, which also kind of crescendos but more in a rock way. Is Snow Patrol the one that does If I Lay Here That was the same band Yeah I know that one Yeah They're gone grows in anime Good, good choice <laughs> <laughs> Avril Lavigne Does a really good cover Of The Scientist By Coldplay Oh yeah I'll have to I'll have to take your word <laughs> on that Alan's not convinced well. I used to be a huge Avril Lavigne fan So she'd be nicer She's got some good tunes When I was like 12 I played that album on repeat so she did The Scientist for the BBC Live Lounge. Yeah. And uh, I heard at a party once, and I was like, this is so great. I can't believe this is Avril Lavigne. And we looked it up, and <laughs> you're about to hear it in the playlist that I will put on with the show notes. Oh, nice. I made a YouTube playlist just for convenience. <laughs> Tori Amos put out a covers album called Strange Little Girls. Mm-hmm. And on that, she covered Depeche Mode's Enjoy the Silence. I like that one as well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what you find is that some, when people do covers, some people will change pronouns in a song oh, or descriptions yeah. of people to make it yeah more like a heterosexual from their point of view or something. Yeah. I much prefer it when people don't change anything. Yeah. Just sing it straight. So then that can sort of warp a perspective of a song a little bit where it could be start to become more of like a queer song or it could just be someone's singing about their daughter or their friend and I dig that yeah which leads me into another one I really like which is becoming more of an established artist but she kind of started in like doing bedroom covers called Lauren Aquilina who did a cover of Sex by the 1975 which is a particular favourite song of mine really I've never heard about this before 
Person watches this so much. <laughs> this is a great example of the video because she's got a beautiful British accent and then she talks at the start of it. What do you like? What do you like, Lauren? That's what do you like, Lauren? <laughs> and I dig that one. And that's become, people will comment on that video saying, thank you for not changing the pronouns because they really identify it. It's like a queer song. Mm-hmm. That's pretty nice. Uh, Kasha recently did a cover of Bob Dylan's It Ain't Me, Babe. Yeah. And she performed it at the Billboard Music Awards to a standing ovation. Yeah, standing ovation. Nice. She reworked the song. She did it with Ben Folds from Ben Folds Five. Very popular musician. Okay. (laughs) Trust me. Okay, I do. Everyone out there probably knows what you're talking about. Never heard of in my life. That's fine. Carry on. Yeah. Bob, Bob Dylan covers it as well. Like, what's that about? It's like, it's, it might as well just have written songs and gotten bands to perform them. Like, a lot of Bob Dylan songs are more famous by the cover artist than they are with the original. It's true. Yeah. Like the Birds, um, Hey Mr. Tambourine Man, and um, Knocking on Heaven's Door, that's been covered by Eric Clapton as well. Yeah, the Birds made quite a career out of doing Bob Dylan covers. Yeah. But, but usually, with, like, with his suggestion, like... Yeah. Tell the birds to cover this song. Yeah, yeah, and it really works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So It Ain't Me Babe, she did before the Billboard Awards, she joined Ben Folds in a concert, and I heard this on YouTube, like from the My Music News sites, and I was obsessed with it for days, Mm -hmm. because her voice sounds so incredible in it, and it was quite meaningful for her place in her career at the moment, which is a very strained um, legally and emotionally. Well, should we say for anyone who doesn't know what's going on with her, or...? That she she can't make music at the moment, can she? Because she was sexually assaulted and abused by her producer. But yeah. she's under contract, has to work with that particular producer. Yeah. And she can't take her music or make music anywhere else under that name. Or probably at all. That's right. She can make music, provided she's willing to work with her accused rapist. Which is crazy. Awful. Totally awful. And then she has a lot of support in her community and worldwide. So great to see. Yeah. Which is positive in and of itself, but the fact that she can't work, that's so troubling. So that's really poignant. It, it is poignant. So it probably really adds to that cover. Yeah. One that a lot of people out there would probably know is Birdie. Did a very famous cover of Skinny Love by Bonnie Bear. She's a whole covers album, eh? She's a whole covers album. And Skinny Love became quite a big hit. It's better than the original. I think it is, actually. <laughs> a lot of covers better than the original. So this woman was covering a man song in a way that people preferred. So then you look around YouTube and there's men covering the woman's version. They're like, this is a cover of Skinny Love. It's based on Birdie's version. Oh, okay. So it's like reverse. How did, does that work? Thing. Yeah. It works well. Cause she, she's got a really good arrangement. But one of my favourite covers on the album is her cover of Terrible Love by The National. Yeah. Which is one of my favourite bands. And I've seen a lot of hate for this cover online. Like, she shouldn't have done it. And she, like, ruined the song or something. I disagree. National fans are scary. um, (laughs) I think it's really good. And I love the climax of the song and the way she delivers some of the lines. I really, really dig. Nice. So you can look forward to hearing that one in the playlist. Oh, yeah, The National recently performed with Lauren Mayberry from Churches. Lauren joined them on a performance of I Need My Girl. And I really liked hearing her voice on that track. Mm-hmm. Particularly matched with uh, Matt Berninger's more bassier voice. Yeah. It worked really well. Which led me to 
start searching out bedroom covers of I Need My Girl. And I found one that I quite liked today. And it's called I Need My Girl, obviously, by Sylvia Vassar. And she's playing in a bathtub. This is a, I guess, a bathroom cover. Bathrooms have great acoustics. They do. Yeah. And in the description, she's playing it. And her friend was up after midnight filming it in one take for her. She did a really good job. It sounds really nice. Other notable ones. Billy the Kid, who I hadn't heard of before, but is a somewhat of established artist, but maybe more minor, did a really nice cover of I Will Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie. And she did it as part of a 30 days, 30 covers kind of project. Yeah. So it's a really quick kind of cover, but she sings it with such earnesty, vulnerability maybe, I don't know, but <laughs> I really love the video itself and the way she kind of looks at the camera while she's doing it as well, and you kind of feel her voice a bit more yeah so i play that one from time to time you may have seen that in my apartment maybe <laughs> another song by the 1975 that i like it's from the new album called paris and someone called emily moore did a really nice version of it that i liked so much that i shared on facebook which most people don't bother listening to videos that people share on facebook but i was compelled to i think a few people enjoyed it mm, cool it's interesting that you're into this because it's not really something that I particularly listen to. In, in fact, I would sort of think, oh, it's just a cover, so I'd rather listen to the original or something like that. And I feel like a lot of people, I'm just going off the cuff here, but I think a lot of people are like me in that respect. And it's quite cool that you do actually venture out there and listen to these because in a way, I think one thing that might appeal to you about it is it's something that other people haven't discovered. You, you, there's all this undiscovered talent that you're aware of and you're reading out for us right now. Yeah, it's just quite original. It's like an original take on these songs that you love. So it's, yeah, you're discovering these little gems that other people don't recognise. Like, it's something that you're very good at. Like, you know, digging down deep and finding the stuff that other people don't notice. Right, because I'm really big into, like, minutiae of songs. And, like, yes. really obsessing over, like, just one certain line or certain sounds. And you collect a lot of bootlegs as well, don't I you? Do. Like, unreleased content, things like that other people haven't, wouldn't be aware of. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I enjoy hearing other people's takes on songs that I really love as well and just seeing how they like a certain line, you know, just like the nuance of it. But there's also, you kind of feel like you're like a judge on a reality show, like mm-hmm. X Factor or something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, yeah, let's see what you got. Oh, that's really nice. Cool. I would like that one. Yeah. Or, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Not interested. Sorry. Nice try. <laughs> But also, I just like the fact that these people made these videos because they were really feeling a song. And they wanted the world to see what they felt about it, in a way. Mm-hmm. And it could be that only a couple hundred people ever see it, or 50 people. Sometimes it's like tens of thousands of people who have seen these videos. Mm. And I just really like being a part of it, especially because they're likely in like a completely different part of the world. And that's kind of like that feeling where someone in some house in, I don't know, Minnesota... Cheshire is playing the song and someone in New Zealand is just like randomly playing it one late night because she happens to be obsessing mm. about a certain song and it's like a little glimpse into the world for, the world for a few minutes. Mm. Mm. And it's a nice connection that we have the advantage of having in the modern day that we wouldn't have had before. You know, people overseas would have seemed so far away. Right. Now they can be right here in your living room. It's like a, you're connected to the world in a way. From a distance, but still. Yeah. And if I want to, I can just talk right at them. Like, that was awesome. Great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas you used to encounter cover songs more in, like, say, a bar setting. 
Mm-hmm. There's someone just sit there playing a few songs that you recognise, but you don't really talk to them. Or buskers. Yeah, buskers, exactly. Traditionally, the cover artists of the world. I'll do a few more okay. bedroom covers that I like. Okay, so Placebo is one of my all-time favourite bands. And one of my favourite songs, Every You, Every Me. And someone called Saria363 <laughs> did a really nice cover with a guitar and just, I think just sitting on her bed or on the floor by her bed. Really feeling it. It's great. And someone called Emma for the Win, also sitting on the ground by the bed, did a great cover of 36 Degrees, which some people might know. It's from their first album. Georgia Markham did a really nice cover of Flightless Bird, American Mouth by Iron and Wine. It's a beautiful song. So I was really interested to hear how people will be covering it. And she did a really nice job. Cool. She just sits here on her bedroom floor, just really feeling it. It's quite tender. It's nice. So Iron and Wine did a a cover of a Postal Service song called Such Great Heights, which became really popular. Mm-hmm. I know that one, yeah. Right. I thought that Iron and Wine did it originally. That's how good it yes, was. It's that good, right? Yeah. Which has led to people covering that cover. Yes. Much like the Birdie situation. And someone called Polly Mazers did a really nice cover of it as well. Leia Jade does a, a cute little, very kind of unconfident, but that kind of adds to the charm cover of a Fallout Boy song called uh, The Afterlife of the Party. <laughs> Alan almost died when I said Fallout Boy. I know, I'm so excited. The tea almost went everywhere. <laughs> Afterlife of the Party is, what is easily my favourite Fallout Boy song. I'm not a big Fallout Boy fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm really not. <laughs> But you I said do. to me, it must be a bad day because I've been playing Fallout Boy this morning. <laughs> yeah. It's your guilty pleasure. Look, I'm not a big Fallout Boy fan, <laughs> but there's like a handful of songs that I really enjoy. I think we all enjoy a handful of Fallout Boy songs. Like the world I, does. I don't know if I've even heard an entire Fallout Boy album. Mm-hmm. I just cherry pick your song here and there. They have some good bangers, as they say. They've got some bangers. <laughs> Cassidy Walter did a cover of The Funeral by Band of Horses. I saw a few covers of The Funeral in my research for this. A lot of them were kind of boring, mm. but she did a good job of it. Nice. And I really like this name. Shadow of a Failure, a.k.a. Chloe, did a cover of Hey There Delilah by The Plain White Tees. That's so weird. I was talking about that song last night. What were you saying about it? I was saying that I always thought it was this really nice song about two people in a long-distance relationship. But then I read an article about it as in the depths of time in my mind. But it said that, that was, they'd actually only met her once and he was just really, really into her and she didn't really know him or was very interested and he wrote this whole huge song about her. Right, that's true. But I think that was more of a catalyst for writing a song. Yeah, that's that's what Kathy said. She said, oh, well, maybe it was just inspiration. But the way the article made it out, it made it out like, I mean, Onikums would do this, but it made it out as if he was obsessing about her and wouldn't kind of let up. It was like, I really like you, so therefore you should like me. I mean, the lyrics of the song don't match that story. Oh, okay. So I, I think that makes a very good argument of the fact that it's a inspirational event. But what would, how would you feel? How would you feel if somebody said, oh, hey, Jasmine, it's nice to meet you, and you're like, hey, and then they like went back to wherever, in Invercargill, and then they made the song like, 
hey there Jaslyn, what's it like in Wellington City? And then they just like talked about how obsessed they were with you and stuff. It's almost like... you. Could how like, would you feel I would after feel, one meeting? Well, it'd be nice if I made that kind of impression on people. <laughs> I, know, I know some really nice songs that are about people that haven't even met. All right. Well, that article said that article said something different. That's fine though. That's a good song. It's a good. It's a cute little song, and I think it's a song. But all I can remember is like, "Hey there, Delilah. What's it like in New York City? In three years, you'll be done with school. I'm a thousand miles away, but tonight you look so pretty. Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> Times Square can't shine as bright as you. I swear it's true. Oh, it's what you do to me. This is, this is really, like, raw. This is, like, proper bedroom covers yeah. right now on the podcast. Also, I wanted to interject and say one thing. Just if anyone wants to make a bedroom cover for the podcast after you listen to this, send it to us and we'll share it on the page. Great suggestion. Yep. Do no it. one's going to do that. But if they do, I'll, I'll invite them around for dinner and we'll share it on the page. Yeah, do it. A tip for recording your own bedroom cover, because this has annoyed me a lot. If your microphone is picking up your laptop fan, maybe wait till it's a bit colder. <laughs> <laughs> Good it's, tip. It's really annoying hearing a loud hiss over an otherwise great performance. Yeah. Why I brought up Hayley Delilah. Yeah. Is because the song, as we've discussed, is maybe inspired by this guy meeting this model that is inspired him to write a song about. Maybe a long distance love or a crush or friend, I don't know. But when the girl sings it, suddenly it's about her missing this girl that's far away. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes like a different tone. Because it's like a romantic song about a girl. Yeah. Which then leads back to, oh, now it's been clarified. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And that can really make a cover work, even though it might not be completely polished, but it just has some charm to it. Right, yeah. Because we're always looking for more queer content, hint, hint, to all the media makers out there. Yeah, make some more queer songs. Yeah, make some more queer everything. Like, I was the, I was looking at the, this list of the top rom-coms of all time or something, according to Rotten Tomatoes, and one of them was a queer film, and there was about 100 films. So one of 100 was queer. So that's crazy. Like, we need to make more queer films that are actually quality. We do. Yeah. We really, really do. Yeah, we really do. Like, I'd watch them. Like, basically just slap a queer couple on anything. And that's what you're basically doing. You're, like, seeking out these songs because you're like, I want queer music! It's one of the reasons, anyway. It's one of the reasons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, R.E.M., the singer Michael Stipe is gay. Mm-hmm. But the songs that he wrote were not overtly sort of gay songs. It reminds me so much of um, Morrissey and the Smiths. But yeah, well. in hindsight, people might interpret them slightly differently. But yeah, Michael Stipe often wrote from a point of view of a character, right? Who create different characters, right? So anyone could write a song from a point of view of a queer character. Yeah, you don't have to be queer yourself to actually make queer songs. Yeah, I think that straight people shouldn't be afraid of making songs that sound queer because it's like, oh no, what if they think I'm gay? It's really not something to be afraid of. So it's like, well. I get mistaken for a straight person all the time and I'm not offended. Why are you offended being interpreted as queer? Because you're not. You're just respecting the song and its original content. I agree with you with the pronoun thing because I was just thinking about the first, you know, the first cut is the deepest, Cat Stevens song and it's covered by Sheryl Crow, I want to say. Is that right? Yeah, Sheryl Crow. But she changes the to he or the pronouns 
And it doesn't work. It sounds weird. It sounds jarring. And the reason for that is because you're so used to the original song. And when you hear it, you don't want to be taken out of the moment by hearing they've altered all the pronouns. Just keep the pronouns. Yeah. I was looking up some covers last night of Mr. Brightside by The Killers. I didn't find ones that I particularly liked enough to include in my playlist. Yeah. It's a good song. I did enjoy that. This whole, you know, group of women were all just saying that they're Mr. Brightside. Yeah, true. No, no one said, I'm, you know, Miss Brightside or anything. They were just like, yeah, I'm Mr. Brightside. Yeah. It was, it was nice to see. Yeah. Nice to hear. Well, that would be stupid if they changed it. It would have sounded dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring something up. Yeah, bring it up. So, basically, you've been saying that you like hearing female singers predominantly, and you like hearing the differences in tone and sound and different versions of the song. So, one night recently, just to give everyone a contextual idea of how far this obsession really goes, you were listening to a certain song by Hayley Westenra. Is that correct? What happened when you are listening to this particular song? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm putting on the spot. <laughs> there is a song. It's so funny! There's a song by Hayley Westenra, who is a New Zealand pop opera singer. Pretty opera. sure she got her start in Timaru or something, didn't she? Yeah, she's a real small town that kind of yeah. made it big. She has a song called Who Painted the Moon Black. <laughs> yeah. Which came out, I'm not sure, maybe mid-2000s. It was a minor hit. Yeah, I've never heard of it, yeah. It's a, it's a sweet song. Maybe it got on a, bit, a little bit long, but it's a sweet song. And I was... I randomly heard it in a YouTube, like, music playlist. And I thought, ah, oh, I wonder what she's up to these days. Hmm. And so I kind of Googled Hayley Westenrayer and... What is she up to these days? Still making music? Yeah, she is. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's touring and stuff, making a new album at the moment. Whoever runs their Wikipedia page... Needs to lift the game. It hasn't been updated <laughs> since like 2013. It's ridiculous. That's poor, yeah. So I was. I started watching live performances of Who Painted the Moon Black to mm-hmm. see how she sang alive because mm-hmm. it's quite polished in the studio. And it sounded good. And then I started wanting to know what she's like these days. <laughs> I started Googling more and more live versions of it. And I started watching them in like chronological order. And so I saw her get older. And still singing that same song. And it kind of changes a bit. Like she has a new kind of take on it as she gets older, I guess. So how many years consecutively did you listen to? From which year to which year? From whenever it came out. Let me just Google this one. It was released in 2002. Wow. That's a long time ago. So I think the latest performance I heard was maybe 2014. (laughs) So one evening, all by myself, in this shameful YouTube spiral, I went through 12 years of Who Painted the Moon Black performances. Isn't it nice that you can do that, though? It is. I didn't 12 watch them. years! I didn't watch them in full, but I kind of, like, power skimmed around them. Well, my favourite bit is, is that by the time you got to 2014, you're like, no, I just went to the last two years. I've done enough. I think that was the latest I could do. Oh. Had, it been, had it been even sooner, I would have watched it. <laughs> And then I thought, what am I doing with my life? I'm just indulging in this really specific song. I'm sure Hayley appreciates it. Hey, shout out to Hayley Westenra. You might be listening. Yeah, what's Hayley Westenra up to? Love your work. Come on our show. <laughs> Come on our show. And I'll make you dinner and I'll make you brownie. And please send us an email. And we'll send you one too. We'll reply to it. Yeah. 
High, <laughs> high expectations podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> you know, can anyone send us an email? We like email. On that subject, listener email time. Oh, yeah. Last week, we were talking briefly about bipolar and manic depressive yeah. things. I offended someone. I mentioned that I knew a couple of bipolar people, and one of them wrote into me with some feedback. Okay. That they didn't want to be identified. They say, I think you misunderstand mania. I don't want to be less happy. I want to be in control of myself and behaving appropriately. I don't want people to think I'm crazy when I'm up in the clouds and they're down on earth. And there's a real fear of not noticing that you're going a bit too high. So when you do notice that you're starting to go up, you think, hang on, am I higher than I realize? Am I acting irrationally and impulsively? Am I able to judge my state of mind? Is there anything I can do to keep myself acting sensibly? And sometimes mania does feel great and you don't want to stop it. Right. I really appreciate that. It's good to talk about these things and clarify them because it's hard to understand how that would feel when you just have what people would consider the normal range of highs and lows. Definitely. That thing that they said about having to constantly analyse their state of mind is very interesting because you would that must have been really difficult because you'd be constantly second guessing yourself and doubting yourself another email we got was from fan of the show Iona she wrote in about a bad date that she went on mm-hmm. and she says she went on a date with a guy who had two Facebook pages he didn't know I'd found the other one <laughs> so he didn't know I knew he was married with a kid <gasps> needless to say it didn't go further than that date still don't know why he was preying on a 17-year-old girl 10 years younger than him. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've definitely had that with other friends before. Or they just found their Facebook page and found out that they were married. And then they think, why did you ask me on a date? And also, it's very easy to find out that you're married. <laughs> Weirdo. Uh, she also goes on to say, he was Filipino and had at one point in the few days I knew him mentioned that I should go to the Philippines. I don't remember if I said if he said with him, it was a few years ago, but I have a feeling he might have said that. So he was inviting her for a dirty old secret holiday with him. Maybe, maybe it was just like really overly friendly. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for writing in. And that's everything, I think. Yeah, you have nothing else to add about your obsession with covers. If you're hearing a song that you really like, get up YouTube, type in its title and put cover on the end. And look for someone sitting in the bedroom. You might actually enjoy it. Yeah, okay, cool. It was very interesting. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. If you have any comments or questions, please send an email to highexpectationspodcast at gmail.com or leave us a comment on a post. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at High Expectations Podcast or on Twitter at High EX Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Have a great week. Kiss from a Rose. It's my new spoken word poem, originally by Seal. There used to be a graying tower alone on the sea. You became the light on the dark side of me. Love remained a drug that's the high, not the pill. But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large and the light that you shine can be seen?
<laughs> Baby. Can I compare you to a kiss from the rose on the grey? Ooh. The more, the more I get of you, the stranger it feels. Yeah. And now that your rose is in bloom, a light hits the gloom on the grey. There is so much a man can tell you, so much he can say. You remain my power, my pleasure, my pain, baby. <laughs> <laughs>